the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Turning a snake came back as a rod. Magicians threw the rod down, turned into a snake, and then they ran. Okay, because it didn't fit, because God's far more superior. Number four, signs and wonders were performed in the New Testament by Jesus Christ in Acts 2, by Stephen in Acts 6. The apostles had to do signs and wonders as one of their qualifiers to be special messengers from God with a special verbal to be then written message from God. So they had to do signs and wonders. But now here's something else that's a little kind of a check off here. And that is in Matthew chapter 7, it even said unsaved people can do signs and wonders. So now we get into some murky water here. So not only Christian, not only Jesus, not only Stephen, not only the apostles, but also unsaved people could do it, Matthew 7. Signs and wonders will be performed in the future by, and I'm only quoting scripture, don't don't shoot the messenger unless you need to, false prophets will do and can do signs and wonders. The beast energized by Satan in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 will do signs and wonders. Here's a phrase. Signs and wonders to authenticate the human instrument God has chosen to declare a specific revelation that, sign and wonder, like tongues, have ceased for today. Last point. Signs and wonders are not necessary for today. Nothing in scripture indicates that they were meant to continue beyond the Bible days. Why? Because back then, when you come into a town, if people want to listen to you, they wouldn't listen to you. Just somebody shooting your mouth off until you did some kind of a sign and wonder. That's why the apostles would do that. People say, whoa, he must be from God, something special here. So they would listen until the whole canon was now done. And now they had the ability to be able to hear it together. It was closed. Now we have the printed copy today. Believers are not taught to seek sign, wonders, and miracles. That's an important point. So if it's happening, he doesn't want us to seek that kind of thing because, again, you've got that murky water. Scripture is sufficient, that you put a star by it. In other words, we don't need the signs and wonders because the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It can break, it can instruct, it is truth, all right? So all the signs and wonders actually happen in the preparation for the Bible, and watch this, and the preservation of the Bible, not the speaking in tongues so much, but the fact that we have the Bible today is a miracle of God that after all the people for all the ages have tried to destroy the integrity and the reliability and even the existence of God's Word, it passed through all of that fire, and we have it today, and we have the writings that can justify and validate that this is God's mind on paper. All of that protection is probably the second greatest of all the miracles that were performed by God through all these other people who wrote it and hid it and had it and passed it on. That's a miracle. You say, well, that's the second. What's the first one? That's easy. That's easy. The first greatest miracle is that God would come to this earth because I'm a wicked sinner 
And he would have in the person of Christ be born, foretold in the Old Testament, miraculously born at the time it said he would be born, in the place it said he would be born, from a woman who it said it would be born from. And then that same Jesus who is God, God man, lived this life that the word of God said he would live. And then he died on a cross at a certain time, the way he died, where he died, when he died, exactly as he died, as it was said ahead of time. He resurrected just like it said ahead of time. All of that, the death, well, the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection, and the ascension. That is the miracle of God. And to sprinkle over all of that as he did it for you and for me so that we could live forever with him. No other God did that. Why? Because there are no other gods. And God did that for you and me. So I want you to know that to me is very, very important. So did tongues exist? Absolutely. Were they permanent? Absolutely not. They were just temporary. So the hand of God is sufficient to us in his word and the Holy Spirit. And he really does the change in our heart. Okay, that's number two. I don't have much time to have. Okay. All right, number three. If I want to serve the Lord the Lord's way, we're building towards all of this. We talked about, first of all, the grace of God. We talked about humility. Now we want to talk about that we would have what is known as a pioneering spirit. Now, pioneering spirit. Let's look at the passage, if you will, back to 19. It says, after he did all of this, he says, so that from Jerusalem and then round about and as far as Eliakim, he says, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Now, fully preached means he preached the full gospel He preached it to all the people that he could. It doesn't mean everybody heard it, but he fully preached. He had the extent and the ability to be able to communicate when he was in prison, when he was standing before religious leaders or political leaders or armed guards or people who wanted to hear it. Those who didn't want to hear it, he fully preached it. In other words, he wasn't afraid of nobody. And he did that starting at Jerusalem, like Scripture said he should do. And then he went roundabout and even went as far is the Illyricum. And then it says, and, as, and thus I aspire to preach the gospel. Here's where we're going with this. Not where Christ was already named. He said, I want to go into, quote, virgin territory. I want to be in a place where the word of God was never clearly presented. So that I would not build on another man's foundation. I want to fulfill the phrase, but as it is written, he says, they who had no news of Christ shall see him, and they who have not heard shall understand, because I will bring the message of Christ to them when there is no foundation that's out there. Now, what does that mean? Well, you like a, a current phrase? Go big or go home. Go big or go home. I remember when um, <clears throat> Carol and I, um, we work with youth. In fact, I think it's kind of a, I think most pastors and ministers ought to start with teenagers or children and work up because if you can take the depth of God's word simplify it but yet keep it correct and connect to kids of all different isms and spasms then I think you probably can work from the pulpit pretty well as as well now that being said we were working with junior high kids and those are the the most difficult kids that you could ever work with we often said those junior high kids they get under your skin and then they get into your heart so if you have a junior high kid in your junior high I want you to know I love you and I'm with you You're my kind of people. All right, now that being said, Carol and I then were at a point in our life, okay, we'd like to have children. And so then we purposed to have children. And maybe you're like this, I I don't know, uh, but we could not have children. And we were tested and all of that kind of stuff. And it just, we went as far as we felt the Lord would have us to go to have children. We couldn't have children. But we really struggled from the time of not having children to then wanting to have children. Our conversation was the world is a hellhole. And the kids are worse today than they were a decade ago. And do I want to bring 
quote, a virgin child, a daughter or son, and put them into this world? Do I want to be responsible for that and then have this world chew them up and spit them out? And Caroline said, no, we don't want to do that. Until we had a godly person like many of you are come alongside us as older parents and said, the world is getting worse, but Jesus is strong enough. And he will give you the manual, he will give you the spirit, and he will surround you with people who know how to do it, who have how to apply it, will be there for you. That was the trigger that said, okay, let's trust God at his word and have children. Go big or go home. Uh, for us, in a sense, we had to go home because we didn't have children. Now, we did adopt kids, and boy, does God have a sense of humor. We went to a, a home society where two brothers were half-brothers because their mother was a barmaid, and um, they both had fetal alcohol syndrome. And we took them into our house. And we took another girl who was sleeping in a bus all alone without a family at 17. Brought them into our, our lives, our house. We're not cavaliers. I'm just trying to tell you that all of us need to have a pioneering spirit. Some will be such a pioneering spirit that you could go from Scotland to the little tiny island of Tana in 1858. That island used to be in the chain of the New Hebrides, which is now Vanuatu. That island had a volcano on that island that James Cook, Captain Cook, saw that island and he said, and it glowed, so he wanted to see all about it. He was the first European white person to hit that island. 1778. 1858, a missionary heard about the savages on that island in Scotland by the name of John Patton. He quickly got married, as many missionaries did in those days, and boarded a, a little sailboat. And they went all the way to this little tiny island of Vanuatu. Arrived in November. First white people to live on the island to reach those people. Those missionaries and the other little islands, there are so many in the New Hebrides. They met him there, saw how vibrant they were. November, he buried his wife in March. He buried his first baby, only baby, in April. Go big or go home. So for you, it may be just, I think I'll work in the nursery. I don't know how, but I, for you, that's big. But go big. Maybe it's to come alongside someone who's teaching in Sunday school and say, show me how to do it. I don't know how to, uh, that's your little area. Maybe for some of you, you're so new in the faith, your, your little go big isn't the island of Tana. It's going to be the next family reunion and you're going to start talking a little bit more about the Lord or something. In other words, go big or go home. Now for the church... We've been around 50 years in the mind of those that were planning it. They launched it 50 years ago, February. I said that now to say this. They went big. They started in a little tiny room in a little center, civic center over there. Then they finally got this place. And that's a story in itself. Don't have time to tell it. Then they added missionaries. Then they added a Bible college. It got big, so big, five services. They went big because everybody rolled up their sleeves, got out of getting in so many other distractive things of life and then did what they could to bring people in and build them up. They went big. So you know Carol and I are transitioning and we're bringing in a much younger guy. Yeah, younger is going to bring in a lot of energy and maybe some inexperience. We all got that. That's okay. We all had been inexperienced. I'm still inexperienced. Every new thing I try, I'm inexperienced at. But I'm going to try it and get experience. Now I said that to say this. So if there's some changes that are coming here and the leadership works together and you want to add a ministry, add a ministry. Don't fight it. If you want to add more Bible study, add more Bible study. If you get so frisky about this thing and you want to plant a church on the other part of the island, go do it. If you want to then 
Take on a new missionary. Take on a new missionary. Go big or go home. That's what these guys were doing. Now, there's something else. I have to do this. It's going to step on your toes, but no, I love you. In Paul, he pastored in Corinth, you know, he pastored in Ephesus, you know, he had all, but every place they released Paul. Otherwise, Paul would have never gotten out of Jerusalem. Get it? Good, all right? So you have to release sometimes so we can go big and do what God calls us to do. Are you okay? All right, you're not going to roll my car in the parking lot, are you? Okay. So you want to do that. And some of you, whatever that is, go big. Just like the Apostle Paul did. Go back to the verse. It's so rich. He said, I will go where the the message isn't spoken before. And I want to go out and I want to touch another life with Christ, the gospel. But even beyond that, the whole purpose of Christ. I want other people to know that. Now, some of you are saying, does that mean that um, we can only start new things? Let me tell you. That's what Paul did. That's a model. Watch this. But it is not a doctrine. The reason it's not a doctrine is because you'll also notice that in Scripture it says that God, he built the foundation on Christ, then upon Christ you had the apostles, the prophets, the apostles, then the pastor teachers. So it means like you have a foundation of Christ and you're building on it. So some of you might not start something new. You might ignite something that's kind of half dead here and then let that thing explode in the flames. Scripture says that all the time that we build upon and build upon, build upon, we reach out and build upon. It's kind of like an Amish house. You know, they keep just adding on and growing and growing and growing. And that's what we want to do. Not to build international, but to prevent the gospel. Number four. This gets really important here. We would accept the providence of God. If you want to serve the Lord the Lord's way, you also have to understand that God closes doors. Would you say that out loud? God closes doors. Say it louder. God closes doors. I like to say that in my prayer that God will open doors that no man can close. But Lord, I pray this just as much, that you will close doors that no man should open. And that verse simply says, for this reason, I want to do all of that, but for this reason, I've been prevented from coming to you. I wanted to come to you, Rome. You know how much I wanted to be with you guys, but I've been prevented. The word prevented actually means to cut like a ditch. Today, we don't cut ditches and have to go over ditches. They put speed bumps in the way, don't they? It's kind of the opposite of all of that. But it's to prevent us from going too fast or prevent us from hurting ourselves or hurting someone else, to slow us down, to you know, forget what you get your eyes off your phone while you're driving kind of a thing, prevented you from coming. And so the Lord often does that. So maybe some of you right now in your job, you're thinking, I, I, I want to do something, but all the doors are closed. I can't get this job. I can't get that job. I can't get that promotion. We tried to do this and it failed. I tried to do that and that failed. You are in very good company because the Apostle Paul, as much as he would go from place to place and build, build, build and preach, preach, preach and help, help, help. He also had one door after another door after another door slammed in his face. And what did he do? He didn't quit. He didn't take his marbles and go back. What he did is he said, okay, Lord, I've got to find out. Where do you want me to go? I know you prevented me, but I'm not quitting. He still had that pioneer spirit. So for some of you, listen to this. Who hinders you? Sometimes God hinders us by using miraculous events. He says, nope, you can't do that. Sometimes it's Satan. Every time Satan closes the door, always remember the sovereignty of God is greater than Satan. So whatever Satan does, God allowed to have happen in your life, ultimately for God's glory. And sometimes the Holy Spirit may hinder us. Paul and Timothy wanted to go someplace, and he said, the spirit of Jesus Christ hindered us from going there. So I want you to know, if you are hindered, it's the Lord doing that. It's the Lord doing that. And so that's all right. It's not a bad thing. So why does he do that? It might be to remind you 
that we're serving the Lord. Sometimes our plans, we have our goals, our objectives. We read all these great books on Think and Grow Rich, and so we want to build our ministries, build our families, build our businesses, instead of, um, wait a second, maybe God wants us to have something small but deep rather than thin and wide. So remind us that serving the Lord has to be done His way, where He wants us, when He wants us, how He wants us. Second, it might be because He's redirecting our focus. Maybe we're here trying to do something and he wants us to go there. So we become like that. I don't know what it's called. I, we don't have one of these. Uh, the, that robot, robot vacuum, robot vacuum. What do they call iRobot or something? Hits this and it goes to the next one. Just, so we're kind of like that. We hit the wall, then we try over here. We hit, But we don't ever quit moving to find out where the Lord really wants us. We're seeking his face inward and upward so we can go outward. All right. Sometimes he restrains us from doing harm to others and ourselves spiritually or physically, emotionally, socially, and financially. Listen carefully to this. When you're about to undertake a new beginning in your life, whether it's a house or a family or a car or a job or a destination or whatever, a relationship, your prayer could be something like this. Not just, Lord, close the door or open the door. It might be like this. Lord, if having this, doing this, going there, will help me and others spiritually for your glory. I ask you to open that up. But if it will hurt me, hurt others, hinder other people to be all that they would have to be, then Lord, I ask you then to close that door. Now what is not involved in any of this, listen, is not the old-fashioned, I'll throw a fleece out there. Throwing the fleece is not a biblical principle at all. It's something one person did in the Old Testament. It was not... He was not told to do that by God, so it doesn't have to be any kind of a model for us to follow. A lot of people do that. So God will open and close doors. And then finally, to rekindle the respect of this, sometimes when he closes a door, we pause and finally say, Oh, Lord, why why aren't you opening this door for me right now? Whoa, 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 whoa. You're the Lord. (laughs) You can do whatever you want. It reminds us again. It rekindles our, our, our belief that he is in control. Let me ask you this question. I wish we had all day. We don't, and we had a microphone. But how many of you had a door closed, and then God redirected you, and today you can say, thank you, Lord, that you directed that in my life? Would you raise your hand? Look at all the hands. So we want to say, thank you, Lord, for doing that. Well, let's close with number five. And that is we would still make careful plans. We don't just jump off a building and say, Lord, save me. Serving the Lord the Lord's way means we do make plans. We do the research. We do the homework. We read. We study. We talk to people. He says, for this reason, I've often been prevented from coming to you. I'm going to read this now actually in Scripture. We didn't put enough verses in there for me to make my point as well as I'd like. So I'm going to go right to Scripture. It says, but now, we, but now with no further place for me in these regions, and since I've had for many years a longing to come to you, in other words, I don't, I'm not needed here, but I am needed there, and I want to go there whenever I go to Spain, for I hope to see you in passing. And he has a reason. To be helped on my way there by you when I have first enjoyed your company for a while. I remember those days. But now I'm going to Jerusalem serving the saints. So again, he kept making his plans, changing them when he needed to and being willing to alter those plans in his life. And I I hope that you would. And the neat thing is that Paul got to go everywhere where God wanted him to go. He never missed a place. Well, folks, I want to bring this to a close now. I know that point was the last one. I'm going to open up a little bit more about why he was going to these places and why you can go to places. And what about fundraising in Christian ministries and uh, how they do it and what they do, right or wrong, and all of that. I'm going to open that up again next week. If you could come back. If not, just uh, get it on the, the, the website or whatever or on radio. 
if you like. I'm going to leave you with a couple of points. So take out your action point notes. And then uh, take these somewhere on your refrigerator, on your computer, somewhere that you'll see them, and flash through them maybe in your prayer time. My action point is this. I will seek to build relationships with those who have never heard the clear gospel message for the purpose of explaining the way of salvation clearly, correctly, and compassionately. In other words, we're, whatever our personality is, we are to connect with them. Now, now, listen to this. Some of you will be very proactive. I met people that when they go into a restaurant, it's, hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? You know, I, I can't do that. I sit on an airplane and I say to myself, I hope nobody sits next to me, except for Carol. I hope nobody sits next to me, you know. I'm, I'm kind of like that. Now, others of you, you're more purpose, and you'll just go out. You'd never meet a stranger, you know. You'd, you'd shake Satan's hand just to give him the gospel one more time, you know, that kind of thing. I'm, I'm exaggerating. But my point still being, though, there are others that are probably more like the majority of us that it's hard for us to do that. So you know what the Lord does? He has a sense of humor. He just brings people to us. We have a flat tire. Someone pulls over the side of the road. Oop! Contact is opportunity in some measure, okay? So again... We want to live our life to somehow to present the message that salvation is by faith alone in Christ. Number two, I'll resist getting upset when my plans don't go my way. Why? Because I'll realize that God is in control of everything and I can't control it. And I'm okay with that. So I won't get upset. God changed my plans. I want to go to the beach. It rained. Can't go. God has a better thing. What is it? Number three, I'll be more intentional in my life by making plans to share the gospel with those who are lost and disciple those who are saved. And that even includes all the way back to... Square one, you got kids? Do you want to see your kids in heaven? Then make sure you explain the simple plan of salvation to them and live your life in a way that they will not denigrate Christianity, the scripture, Jesus Christ. Live it in a way that it makes Christianity as attractive as possible to them. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes, if we will, and give you a moment of prayer. There's a lot of, this was a big, big steak that was put on your plate. And I hope it was seasoned well. I hope you are willing to to go to it. I realize for for most of us that you're going to have to, you can't eat the steak all in one sitting. I pray that you'll open up your Bible and read through Romans 15, verses 15 through 25 more slowly and ask the Spirit of God who is the teacher to teach you the Word. Ask the Spirit of God to make clear, illuminate the Word to you. Have these notes alongside have my phone number or email address. If you've got questions, I'll be glad to help you. If you're a lady, if you write to me and you'd like to speak to another lady, I'll forward that to, the, to her, Lord. I, I, I just want you to know you want to be helped. For those of you that are kind of new hearing all this Christianity, maybe for you today, your first step into doing the will of God is this. It is the will of God that you trust Christ as your Savior. It is the will of God that nobody perishes in hell. And so now that, that's easy. You don't have to go. You don't have to do. You don't have to learn anything. You just humbly come to the Lord and say, Lord, it is by your grace that you'll let me into heaven. So I'm going to respond to your grace. And I'm going to receive this message knowing you love me just as I am a sinner. And you're going to be humble and you're going to say, Lord, I'm not going to depend on myself or my religious deeds. I'm not going to come to you and trust you and do good deeds to go to heaven. I am so lost that I'm humbly saying to you, Lord, you are my total and complete Savior. That's the will of God for you. Now, you can't make a mistake. Only God knows your heart. And he knows if you're fully and completely and only trusting Christ as your Savior. I pray you are. That is the will of God. Right now for you, if you don't know Christ as your Savior. If you're not certain of going to heaven, 
The will of God is that you will be certain of going to heaven. And now he says how? Trust in the Lord. Place your faith alone in him. If you're doing that, I'd like to pray for you. On the guest card that you had in your little worship folder that was given to you, that brochure as you walked in, you can just put your name and check on it. I trusted Christ. And then you have places to write if you've got questions or you want to talk to me or whatever. I won't bother you. I'm not going to show up at your door. Nothing like that. I just want to be your friend. Actually, I really want to be more than that. I want to be your eternal friend. I'm going to heaven. I want you there with me if you could. So if you're trusting Christ, place your faith alone in him. In him alone. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we've had a great time today, great worship music, great spirit of joy and and a desire to know your will so we can do your will. And Father, Paul has given us a kind of a little window, a tiny little peephole window into it by looking at his life as he writes this autobiography of who he was and what he did and why he did it and where he went. And from that we can make some practical applications and we do. But oh Lord, I'm so excited about what we're going to learn next week because It's kind of like we're going to slide into the fast lane now and we're going to see some beautiful scenery about how to serve you your way next week. And I can't wait to share it, Lord. I wish I had more time today. So, Lord, bring these dear people back and more. Father, we love you. I pray now for those today that they're trusting you as their Savior. They're simply saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. I know I've done things wrong, but I believe you're the Lord who died and rose again and you'll forgive me of my sins. I I want to go to heaven your way, and your way is to trust in you, and I'm doing that right now. I pray they're doing that in their mind. Now, Father, through your spirit and your word, give them assurance. It is in your name we pray. Amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us Make It Clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.